This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Good to see you, John. Glad that we are doing this and uh, get to hang out on Zoom and hear each other and talk to each other. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, Jalen. It's good to see you too. I know that every week I look forward to us recording this. So just uh, fun times ahead, I know, especially with our guests today. But I think for me, uh, one interesting thing has been that right now we're recording this in early February. And it was about almost exactly one year ago that I was out here in San Jose interviewing for the role that I'm in right now. And so just I just think about like how much has happened in the last you know, 365 days or so. And like, not only was I out here interviewing for a job, but I ended up taking that job, moving across the country in the middle of a global pandemic, which everyone was thinking was only going to last maybe at worst case scenario into the end of summer. And here we are in February of 2021, still for the most part, you know, going through this, though, I guess there's, there's some hope, which is a good thing. But yeah, I just think about how crazy of a year it's been since that first, you know, flight out here. And I just am amazed again by God's faithfulness through that process. So it's been a, it's been an interesting week of kind of some reflection on that for me. But what about you? How have things been going in sunny Chicago? <laughs> yeah, it's actually been a little bit sunny, but it's been freezing. But yeah, I was going to say, you know, I do remember, you know, this whole process, that, that whole process a year ago. And, you know, the times that we'd spent praying about it and talking about it. And, you know, just thinking through together, some some of the questions that you had about what it would look like for you to, you know, completely change your context and and where you're where you know what it would look like and you know we definitely miss you here in chicago but we know that you're thriving there and uh, excited that you're there yeah you know the the reality is is that if i hadn't moved jalen we probably would not be recording this podcast right now because part of the impetus of of us starting this was we just were looking for a way to keep hanging out together even though we were separated by thousands of miles that's right yeah you're welcome (laughs) you know world internet for, for, uh, for this podcast would not have That's happened right. if not. That's well, right. I guess we should be thanking Jesus for that. But. <laughs> yeah. Things here at, at our house have been, uh, have been steady, uh, you know, because it's been so cold, we've tried to stay inside, but that means we started this week actually picking up some new hobbies or new skills for our three oldest. I am teaching them guitar. And I shared with you earlier that actually, you know, for me to teach my own kids is really difficult for me, but I know that God's using this as, as a way to, to just grow my patience. Uh, and that's definitely happened even just within the first few days of us going through guitar. But uh, it's been fun. Uh, got them a little travel size or a, a kid size guitar. It's a three quarter size guitar. Uh, they got to pick it out and have been having fun with it. And then Jenny actually has been learning ukulele. And so just on YouTube, just picked up ukulele and having fun with that. 
she's got a fun new hobby. The kids have a new instrument to learn. Uh, and that's kind of the, the fun thing that we're doing during this freezing weather here in Chicago. Well, knowing you guys, I know that your kids got probably got pretty good musical genes. So that's a good thing. I'm looking forward to when I come back, I can get a little, little mini concert from the Chan clan. So looking forward to that. I'm excited for our guest today. It's a, a good friend of both of ours, but not just a friend for me, someone who I have worked and partnered with for many years um, through Alliance Youth, which is the youth ministry arm of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So our guest today is Dan Bull. Dan is the Alliance Youth Ministry Director. So he he oversees youth ministry across the country and really comes alongside local churches to help them and especially to help youth workers do ministry and really impact young people. And so I've had a ton of interaction with Dan in that way. And I know that he has over the years had a lot of interaction with many ethnic churches and in particular Chinese churches as well. So Dan, we're really glad that you're on the podcast with us and yeah, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. It's such a blast to, to be here. One, I think I've known both of you in some context for 15 years. So that's about 15 years, something like that. My wife uh, stood in Jalen and Jenny's wedding and uh, was a pretty big part of the uh, Chinese Christian Union or CCUC, Chinese Christian yep. Union Church mm-hmm. in Chinatown for a number of years. And I uh, was part of that group. And that's kind of how I got introduced actually to Chinese American culture was through my wife, through a connection at CCUC in Chicago. And uh, it's, I never would have imagined that fast forward 15 years, the ministry I'm in actually deals with multi-ethnic churches around the United States uh, in understanding how they're, well, one, the very unique climate of doing ministry in an ethnic congregation, regardless of ethnic background in the United States of America. It is so different and so unique. And I've really had the opportunity to serve in uh, kind of a, I wouldn't say bridging, I'm not doing a great job of bridging properly, but I am doing a really good job of contextualizing youth ministry in different contexts and helping each other, helping one culture learn from another. That's really kind of been a lot of what I've been able to do uh, the last couple of years. It's just been a blast. So yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. It's just fun. I think, uh, uh, Jalen, are you guys still calling your kids Chantastic Five? It was the Chantastic yeah. Four. What is it now? Is it the Chantastic Five? I think we kind of ran out of names to use. So yeah, we just go with Chantastic Five. Yeah. Dude, I yeah, love it. Awesome. I just love it. So Jalen and uh, the Bowl family, our family, we, we we both have five kids each, <laughs> which is between the 10 of us, we have a legitimate nation uh, <laughs> that, right. that we are giving birth to. So uh, it's just fun to watch, man. Just fun to watch. Anyway. Yeah. Dan, thanks so much for being on here. You've kind of touched on it already, but could you share with us uh, the the journey, the ministry journey that God has t- taken you on and, and how he's gotten you to where you are now? Yeah. You know, it's kind of fascinating because nobody ever sets out to be in church ministry. And if they do, I'm not sure that they were, they were, eating a good dinner the night before. I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things like you wake up because God is tapping on your brain and saying, hey, you're going to go do this. So when I, my ministry journey actually began uh, wanting to be in like the communication side of ministry. It's why I went to Moody Bible Institute. I thought I was going to end up in, you know, Moody, Moody Broadcast Radio or something like that. Uh, but God took us into local church ministry kind of unwillingly, uh, but I'm really grateful he did because I just absolutely love serving people. So all that happened while we were in Chicago, went to Moody Bible Institute, got a comms degree there, ended up working in a local church through an internship, which led into a pastorate, which led into another pastorate, which led into eventually uh, denominational leadership uh, for the last five years, helping youth workers around the United States really figure out how to bring the gospel to the next generation, but also 
uh, help the next generation embrace the church in America? And what does that look like for these rising leaders? That's really been my primary focus. So I, for myself, I think being a part of a, an Alliance church um, now for many years, uh, I have a, I think I have a much more familiar sense of, of what it means to be a part of a denomination, what it means to be in the CMA, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and also um, just what it looks like to have somebody in kind of a national role to partner with. But I think for probably for Jalen and and maybe for many of our listeners who don't have that same level of engagement when it comes to denominational church ministry or church life because they're at independent churches or or whatever. Um, could you just paint us a picture of what that kind of looks like, uh, your role, how maybe are some some examples of ways that you engage with with the local church from your uh, from your chair in the national office? So let's start at a 30,000 foot view level and work our way down to a five foot level. Let's start with what is a denomination? A denomination is a massive network of churches, 2,000 churches that have shared beliefs, shared theology, and a shared mission. And so uh, my role is to figure out how to partner with uh, regions and also into local churches around that shared mission. So how do we live out that mission locally? And so the biggest thing of what I do is my job is to essentially encourage, train, network for greater kingdom impact. So how would that play out? practically, you know, what a regions do a lot of trainings and conferences. And so I work with leaders to help them establish those trainings and conferences. I do a lot of training individually at those places. Uh, and then we also try to, on a semi-annual basis, get together and talk about, hey, where is God leading us nationally and how do we do ministry together? So, you know, 99% of what you're going to do in any church is going to be local church ministry. A half a percent of what you're going to do is going to be regional and then maybe if you're in certain circles, another half percent will be on the national stage in terms of working inside this body of churches to produce a larger kingdom impact experience. My job is to help elevate youth workers into positions of leadership to do better regional and national impact. So that's really how that works. And John, I mean, for you, you know this personally, a lot of it is coming alongside one-on-one, -on -one, building friendships that we have trusts that we can actually do stuff together, trust one another to do ministry which uh, when you think about ministering in a cross-cultural context, it's all built around the idea of relationship and trust, right? I mean, those two things are paramount uh, because we have such vastly different experiences of how the church operates and how uh, we're supposed to be doing disciple-making in those contexts. So yeah, we really start there, relationship and trust, then let God bring the vision and see if we can't do something more fun together. Yeah, I would say for sure in my own experience, that was one of the biggest benefits of being a part of Alliance Youth was the relationships that developed through it that I really learned from people who are not like me. And that's something that I really appreciated. And, and I think from those relationships, you know, partnerships developed, whether it was retreat speakers coming through that I don't think I would have otherwise um, considered or you had even known, uh, or even just, you know, multiple youth groups like that were not like mine doing things together and, and partnering for things like mission trips or um, worship nights or things like that. And so definitely something that I really, really enjoyed as a youth pastor. Yeah. And Dan, as you were saying, I think a lot of times, you know, not just for 
churches who are in denominations, but especially those who are kind of independent churches, their ministry is so focused on just their local context, right? And so they don't get a chance to see what's happening outside of their context or or even down the street, like what the church down the street is doing. Um, But for you, you're at a, you're in a position where you get to see kind of across, across the, across the country, how things are going. What are some trends that you're seeing in youth ministry at a national level? Yeah, I, you know, let's start with the first one, which is there is a significant decrease in the professional youth pastor or the specialist. That is true across the board for every kind of church in America. And it's not a financial thing. It's actually a shifting of priorities for the local church. Uh, I can't remember who wrote it, but you can Google this. It's called the, uh, it's called the generalist will rule the day. And what's essentially happening is churches don't want a specialist children's worker or youth worker or disciple-making pastor. They really want a generalist who can wear multiple hats based on their gifting to serve the entire body of Christ. And that's actually, in my opinion, a really healthy shift. You know, when we created all these independent specialists, we really isolated and created silos inside the church. A lot of people building their own little kingdoms. And a generalist doesn't have that luxury. A generalist has to say, I got to think about the entire body of Christ and seek to serve the entire body of Christ. So uh, right now, the professional youth pastor is on a decrease. The rise of the generalist uh, associate pastor is definitely on the increase. And that's going to be unique to how churches function. What's interesting in our uh, multicultural churches or multi-ethnic churches is that they haven't all fully embraced the Anglo desire for specialists anyway. Uh, So what's cool is most of our ethnic churches are far and away more ahead of this trend. Uh, and they have pastors that are more equipped to handle the generalist reality of church ministry because that's, that's how they've been functioning. Uh, so it's going to be neat to see how that, how that segment of the church kind of begins to lead the way. Uh, the second trend that we're seeing, you know, nationally in youth ministry is a really unique focus now on discipleship, the discipleship versus a- attractional experiences, right? That's, I think we all sort of knew that was coming, but it's really being embraced now. Churches are just like, you know, forget the dog and pony show. It's not working. Uh, and if COVID did anything for us, it showed us that attractional models did nothing to help people follow Jesus when times got tough. So a lot of churches now are saying, all right, let's really rethink our discipleship strategy. Do we need greater numbers? Are we being held to numbers or are numbers just an indicator of what God's up to? So there's a lot of shifting in that capacity. And I think the church will be healthier for it. Uh, but those are kind of the two major things that have come out in the last, I'd probably say, three years that were really starting to emerge. Yeah, that's really interesting because I, I feel like we've had conversations around both of those ideas over the years at, you know, at more of a one-on-one level. And, you know, I, I know that I've talked with you about, uh, especially that second one, this focus on discipleship and that being something that maybe the ethnic church does well because it has a high emphasis on relationship and community um, already, or it's kind of sets the stage for that. So it's interesting how, you know, how the trends are shifting over the years. And I, I don't think I would say that when I started at the church, that that was the norm. It was more, it felt like an outlier, but it's cool to see that that's, that that's changing. I'm curious to know just because of your connection with so many different youth ministries, and churches, you know, you see a lot of different challenges that churches face. And in particular, are there any challenges that you've seen Chinese churches um, or Chinese youth ministry workers have encountered that are different from, you know, other ethnic groups or from majority culture? 
anything that's unique you feel like to the Chinese church? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of unique things. I think the one that strikes me most is how few voices there are from the Chinese community in the area of uh, youth ministry leadership or even church leadership on a national scale. Uh, it is, I mean, it is, it is barren out there in terms of Chinese American voice leaders that are influencing broader church spectrum outside of just the local Chinese context. And what's, what's really unique is that I would say of all of the ethnic groups that model North American majority culture youth ministry, Chinese churches model it more closely than any other ethnicity. So they are more likely to have a traditional youth pastor role, and they're more likely to embrace some of the traditional models of discipleship that the North American church has. I don't know exactly why that is. It just seems to be that there's a higher degree of modeling between the Chinese church and the North American broad church culture, which is why I find it very interesting that there's not a lot of Chinese voices speaking into the greater national leadership of that church if the models are somewhat similar. So if you look at anything that's out there in terms of youth curriculum, youth uh, disciple-making strategies, or even church uh, model and strategies, there's just there's a lack of voices. So that's a real challenge in the Chinese community. I think, especially in the Chinese church, when you say, you know, when you look at the Chinese church in America, it's very large. It's not a small segment of the population. And yet there's just fewer leaders in that space, which leads people to believe if they're, if they're not there now, will they ever be there? So... That's a, that's a challenge for the Chinese church, but it's, I think, even more of a challenge because you're actually living in a system of youth culture in America that produces products meant for the Anglo model of youth ministry. And so their products are dependent upon your models reflecting what they need you to do. So, for example, a Wednesday night service or a Friday night service or whatever you do youth group, they depend on you having a 30-minute message because they sell curriculum that you can preach in 30 minutes. Right. And so it's a unique systemic problem where the majority of, uh, I would say, ministry, cultural influencers in North America are producing products that are um, not specific to any particular ethnic group, but therefore make you feel like you have to have a certain model to be able to use their products effectively. So there's a lack of leadership and there's a lack of products that are helping Chinese leaders even flourish in their own given context. I can't even imagine the amount of adaptation you have to do as a Chinese pastor, whenever you try to pick up some leadership book that the church publishes, it has got to be an amazing amount of cultural translation that you have to do here uh, inside your mind to actually implement it inside your context. So that's a really unique challenge. It's not totally unique to Chinese church, but it is something that's unique in the sense that you model so closely uh, the Anglo church's models uh, of how we do ministry. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that a little bit more, talk about your own feelings in that area, but what's that been like for you on the receiving end? Yeah. You know, I would say that part of why we started this podcast was that need that you just described, right? Like you're describing it from one perspective. We, we have experienced it in our time in ministry that a lot of times there's this vacuum of voices and resources that come from one from the ethnic church, but also from the Chinese church uh, in particular, though we will not, you know, obviously we're not, we don't have a monopoly on that. And so I think we started this podcast partially to fill that need or to address that need, not obviously not able to speak for everyone or for every situation, but kind of our slice of the pie. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think some of the, this reality has been formed by years and years of just a broken system where, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know if we want to go too deep into this on this episode of the podcast, but just, I, I think that there's probably some areas where 
um, the Chinese church has tried really hard to model something that they were told this is the right way of doing it or the best way or the only way of doing it, not realizing that the way that they've, they have done things that flow out of the uniqueness of our culture and our, of who we are, you know, is beautiful in its own way and is very necessary for the full body to, to hear about and to see and to be expressed because for each culture, what we bring to the table is going to reflect a different part of who Jesus is. And so we really need each other to do that. And some churches, I think they just kind of throw, or at least, I don't know, I don't want to be too critical, but they just chuck everything out, right? That's connected to our own culture. And they just, it just looks like any other church in the neighborhood. And then other churches, they lean so heavily into it that it almost becomes like, maybe idol is too strong of a word, but it, it leans too heavily into to some of the cultural aspects of, of who we are. And we lose sight of being part of, of the whole, lose sight of being a part of the, the greater kingdom. And so I think that there's this balance in the middle of those two extremes that's healthy and necessary for, for the church. I appreciate you, you know, bring up all that, all that, because I think it's, again, you are describing something that we have experienced and, and felt. And so we definitely appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that um, that's something that's really important for us as Chinese churches to think about, because I think that for a lot of uh, Chinese immigrants, as they come here, there is an immediate push to assimilate, right? Not just, you know, in everything. And so when they have kids here are the second and third generation Asian Americans, there is this urgent rush to assimilate as much as possible as fast as possible. And that's kind of, I think, kind of bled into the way that we do church. And so for second and gen second and third generation Asian Americans and Chinese Americans, it's like, what is really our identity? Because a lot of times, a lot of the cultural, even the good cultural aspects of being Chinese are, are left behind as we grow up. And so we lose a lot of that. And then when we come to church together, it's like, well, where, what are we, what are we going to look like? How is this supposed to function? And we just look at the Anglo churches and say, that's what it is. And that's how we're, that's how we're going to model ourselves. And so I think for the Chinese church and especially for English ministries, there has to be this re recovery or a rediscovery of what are the, what are the God given cultural parts of, of who he's made us that really benefit our faith and can also benefit the large body of Christ. And I think mm. that's something that excites me about being in a Chinese church is that we get to, to rediscover this together. And that's why I think it's important also for the English ministries to be really connected with the Chinese ministry and to say, and to push them and say, Hey, like, we're not just trying to assimilate and, and be just like the Anglo church down the street, but you know, what are some cultural aspects that, that really help define who we are as children of God and how does, how does living that out influence and affect our faith? And so, mm. yeah, thanks for bringing that up because I think that's so important for Chinese churches to remember is that we're, we're not just trying to, you know, model, and any church should, shouldn't just try to model themselves after the church down the street. We, we have a God-given call to live out who we are uh, as God has called us to. But especially for Chinese churches, uh, we need to be more, I think, cognizant and aware and, and learning about who God has made us and how that affects how we live out our faith. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good insight. And I, you know, kind of along the same vein, and this is my, might be how you see this, actualizing inside your local churches. Inside of our denomination, I can't speak for the rest of the United States, but inside the Christian Mission Alliance, the Chinese church is the only church I know of, like the group of churches that hire their second gen uh, or third gen youth pastors as 
as white or other ethnicities outside of Chinese. So like you have, you know, Hispanic youth pastors and white youth pastors, youth pastoring in Chinese church context. And the question I go is, well, you know, there, there's a unique hurdle here. One, you know, the idea of immigration is one of these hurdles. When you immigrate to a country and most people, especially your grandparents or, or great-grandparents or parents, when they came, it was, we're immigrating for, to become, for, for these specific reasons. The end result is when you then are born, your parents say, we are here for you to achieve or reach this or, or populate wealth or whatever it is the reasons are, but it was essentially for betterment, right? And so when you look at the local church and they say, well, there's really not a whole lot of career advancement in this space, or I, I have seen a number of young Chinese men and women feel called into ministry and just be discouraged for, by it, from it by their parents, because that's not the reason you were he- that you're here. And that's a unique hurdle that this Chinese church faces too, or the Chinese church faces, because how are you supposed to embrace the fullness of your expression of the body of Christ in North America if you're not letting your own children become the leaders of that church, but you're outsourcing leadership to different ethnicities? Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with that. I think, you know, multicultural youth ministry is great. I'm simply at like looking at some of the outcomes or unintended consequences of these values that sometimes we possess and how is that helpful or harmful to the establishment of the church here in North America, especially in your context. And I don't have good answers for any of those things. I'm simply raising the issue. Like I see it. And how do, how do you navigate this well? That's a great question to ask. I think that's something that, that certainly probably a lot of Chinese churches don't think about. And I appreciate that you bring that up. Uh, but, but certainly there are, of course, uh, a lot of great second generation Chinese Americans uh, who are serving in youth ministry, uh, in your experience and in your work with them, uh, what are some of the things that you've learned just in interacting and, and serving alongside Chinese churches and, and youth workers in Chinese churches? Uh, this is going to sound superficial, but it, there's more to it. Chinese youth ministry always has the best food of any <laughs> of any ministry in the United States. Now, I know that that's I know that that's ridiculous, but fellowship and food are intimately connected, right? And the idea of sharing time around a table, I see I see a deeper level of intimacy in our Chinese churches and our Chinese youth ministries than I do in many of our Anglo churches and youth ministries. And I can't say it's directly because the food's better, but I can say that the focus on the family aspect of church because of the high interdependence on family inside the Chinese church how that plays out in youth ministry and being, you know, more of a food focus, more of a family focus, more of an interpersonal relationship focus has created in some cases, healthier uh, relationships inside of the Chinese youth ministry context. So what do Chinese churches bring to the table? Yeah, they have great relationships with each other, probably healthier relationships among the teenagers and the, and the youth workers in the church than most of our Anglo churches in America do. So that is a, that's a huge win. I've learned that. I mean, how do I, how can, how can I help our Anglo churches translate that cultural value into their ministries? If we could learn how to do that, we'd be really leading the way, or you guys would really be leading the way in shaping the next generation and how they experience discipleship in the church. That's really interesting because I agree with you, but I would also point out this observation, which is, and, and I think this is probably something that both Jill and I lived. And then I've seen in my own students is when there's like church lunch at church or, you know, like a church potluck or something, teenagers, typically, we don't want to eat that food. Um, we would rather go out for the Chipotle burrito or, you know, down the street for some, you know, I don't know, like McDonald's or something and get some chicken nuggets 
instead of eating the church lunch because I think it feels like, oh, you're just eating what you eat every day at home. So we want something different. So it's just, it's just, it's interesting. I feel like I didn't appreciate that, <laughs> that meal until I got older and I was no longer living at home and I was, you know, cooking on my own. And then whenever we had church lunch, it became like, oh man, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to have this because this is fantastic. And I know that you only talked about that really to lead into talking about the relational nature of, of youth ministry, but it's just interesting. I think what just different perspectives on the same thing, but I, I would definitely agree and, and affirm what you just said about how high of a priority there is on table fellowship in, I think not just the Chinese church, but the ethnic church in, in general, that, that there's something so closely tied to who we are is like feeding people and, and eating like every holiday that I can think of. Like right now we, it's a, at least at the time of recording, we're like a day away from Chinese New Year's or Lunar New Year's. And like, that's like a, basically a food festival for the weekend, you know, and that translates into who we are as the church as well. Yeah. Well, let, let me give you a practical outworking of this. So we were at uh, the Chinese Churches Association in September of 2019. Uh, maybe it was October, but it was about a year, year, 15 months ago. And every night, I think it was every night, there was this massive meal at this restaurant, right? And it was, it was a awesome. I mean, like, like plates of food are coming out. Do you know what happens at Anglo district conferences or association gatherings when there's a mealtime? You don't go eat together. You get like five guys, you go, you know, you, you go out, you find a burrito place, you eat a burrito, you have a good table talk, and then you're gone. But that was like a, like a community experience. It's like the highlight of the entire CCA. So there is a higher priority on that in the Chinese church. And I, I love watching that play out. I know I gain like five pounds every time I go. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so bad. <laughs> So Dan, you know, another question that we, we had for you was how have you seen Chinese churches impact the national conversation on youth ministry? So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, the Chinese voice in national youth ministry is, is a limited one in terms of influence and how that's shaping the way other churches learn. function. I did a little bit of research just to see how many uh, Asian American authors are out there, specifically Chinese American. I found one book from 2006 called Asian American Youth Ministry. And it's about 12 chapters long, a variety of contributing authors. In fact, I didn't know one of my friends, Danny Kwan is a Korean youth pastor in the Philadelphia area. He was a contributing author to that book. And I didn't get a chance to read it, but I talked to somebody who did. And they said it was, it was okay in 2006. And it's, it's okay today, but it's just not, I mean, it deals with probably some of the common questions that you're dealing with all the time, right? Which is, What's your identity as Asian American Christians in North America? You know, it's, there's one chapter on that. There's one chapter on how to do uh, youth ministry when parents really value school nights. Like there's no, there's no Wednesday night youth group in a Chinese church, especially if you have a high focus on academics or athletics or extracurriculars, right? It's, that's going to happen Saturday night when there is no school Sunday. So how do you kind of, you know, minister in those contexts? So there's really not a whole lot of voice in that in that arena. Although I will say that Fuller Youth Institute out of uh, California, they're doing a really good job of bringing in Chinese and specifically Chinese, Korean, and also several different Hispanic uh, church leaders to begin shaping a conversation around discipleship. And I'm going to take a minute to just plug this. Fuller's coming out with a movement called the 1010. They want to disciple 10 million youth in the next 10 years. 
uh, to become followers of Jesus. It's a massive endeavor. I've been a part of these conversations for about a year with them. And there is a major emphasis on the growing ethnic churches in America. And the voices that are at that table are really phenomenal. They're going to be shaping that. So while there's not a whole lot happening now, hold on to your seats, because in the next 10 years, you're going to see the, uh, the ethnic church in America explode while the Anglo church declines. That's also a trend you're going to see. And they're going to be the ones shaping the conversation on discipleship, uh, shaping the conversation on parent empowerment, shaping the conversation on how the church functions. And you guys know this because you're both young leaders in the Chinese church. You're not young men. But as the older leaders begin to retire out and create space for you guys in second and third gen to take leadership, it's coming at just the right time because the Anglo church is diminishing and therefore your influence on the national church will increase at the right time that you're inside your Asian culture, able to assume those greater levels of leadership and eldership. So I'm telling you, 10 years and you're going to see a lot of awesome stuff coming out of the Chinese church coming out of the Korean church, coming out of the Hispanic church and how the church is going to work in the North American context. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's certainly something that I'm, I'm excited about. And I think ready to have a lot of conversations with other churches about. And I think that that's something that w- whether we like it or not, that's something that uh, we have to be aware of and, and prepared to do. And, and I'm excited that we can begin to have sort of these conversations. And I think for a lot of Chinese Americans and for Chinese churches to have a seat at the table, so to say, would be a welcome uh, opportunity. Well, I think you need to rephrase that. You're not going to have a seat at the table. It's going to be your table, right? Like this, this is the shifting nature of what's happening in North America that the church really needs to wrap their mind around is that it's, it's no longer asking for a seat. It's you guys will be in a position to invite others to your table. And that is a real shift and how the ethnic and immigrant churches have viewed themselves over the last 50, 60 years in North America. And the sooner we, like, for example, I don't know, are you guys the only Chinese pastors doing a podcast? Probably not the only ones, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot. Not a ton. There's like three, maybe. If you, if you keep after this for like five years and you actually are consistent here, it will be your table. You'll be the primary thought leaders on how the church is going to function, how the Chinese leaders can function inside the growing North American church context. So this is, this is the kind of thing that I get more excited about is opportunity is more available as the traditional publishing and resource houses and what I'd say message controllers are diminishing, right? There's just more opportunity for more leaders to, to be crafting the conversation. And that's, that's going to be powerful. Starting now, you're, you guys are way ahead of the game. Well, I, I don't know about John, but I felt this sudden pressure and this weight just uh, load up on our shoulders. But no, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I'm not sure if I... We've thought past like the five month mark, which I guess we just hit for this podcast, but imagining doing this for five years is not something that we have ever talked about. So, Hey, you don't, you don't got to worry about it. You just keep going with it and let God open the doors as he, as he will. Right. Absolutely. Well, Dan, it's been really great having you on and, and we really appreciate your insight and your thoughts and your encouragement. But as we close out the conversation, one thing that we always ask our guests is what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's serving in the Chinese church. So this is not my original advice and it may not sound original to you guys. I actually got it from a guy named DJ. I want to say it's, it's C-H-U-A-N-G. I cannot pronounce that correctly. So I will not try. Chuang. Chuang. Okay. He wrote a, he wrote a, a wonderful article from Fuller Youth Institute. This came out in 2016 and his major encouragement. And I found this to be true in my observations is that Chinese American youth 
church takes one of two avenues. Uh, one, it can become this place where it's like another avenue where they have to succeed or achieve. And that limits what grace is really there for, right? So how do we help the next generation of Chinese American youth not just embrace their role in the church, because that can be that pressure, that success, but really embrace Jesus and grace in the gospel. And how will that transform and shape the way they rebuild ecclesiological practices inside the Chinese church? I think that that's really important. I could say that about white churches and everybody else, but in the Chinese context, it seems like there seems to be such a high pressure in that area and grace alleviates the pressure, right? And that's, I think that's such an important message. This, this is not a workspace thing. It's not a performance thing. It's not a pleasing your parents thing. I mean, there's generally something to be said about the freedom that comes to the gospel there and helping the church not be another place where there's this expectation of performance. I think, John, you and I have talked about this even, haven't we? Yeah. Where like students love coming on Friday night youth group because there's, there's just no additional pressure expectation for them to do something. And that creates a space for them to really embrace more of what the gospel has to offer. So I would encourage you in that context in the Chinese church to help that concept of grace really take root at a young age, because that'll shape the expressions of the church moving forward. That's a great word, Dan. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing from your perspective, your insight, your experience with us. And I know for me, this has not just been a moment to learn, but just another way that we've been able to partner uh, over the years. So I'm really thankful for that. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a blast. So fun to see you guys living in your call and just doing what you love. And just to be friends through the process, man. That's what podcasting is all about, right? It's learning and friendship and what a joy to be with you guys. Absolutely. Good to see you, Dan. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.